Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about checking your address. And I've got a little, uh, little postal worker here to help me this morning, Miss Ariana. She's going to be our little postal worker today. And uh, we're going to give you a... Come here with me, babe. We're going to give you a little card. We're going to talk about checking your address. And so I'm going to get Ari and uh, give us some, uh, some kids to join us. Uh, let me some kids that want to help us. All right. Come on, kids. It doesn't matter. You just come on down. And Ari's going to give you a little postcard. I mean, babe, you want to give them a postcard. And I'm going to get some of these kids to help us. And so, kids, grab a postcard from Ari right here. Uh, give a whole bunch out there, Ari. And uh, we're going to give all the mommies and daddies and all the adults, give everybody a postcard. There's some from Miss Karis. And here you guys go. All right. Ari, right, give some of them. And just find a, find a grown-up and just give, make sure all the grown-ups, mommies and daddies, have a little postcard from God here. Amen. There you go, Satan. All right. Okay. All right, you can go that way, babe. Give those guys a postcard. If you don't get one, steal one from your neighbor. But uh, we enjoy having our kids in service with us and helping us out. Aren't they doing a great job as ushers and greeters and helping in the sermons? So give our kids' church a big hand this morning. Amen. I want to talk to you about checking your address, and I've given you a little postcard this morning to remind you of the sermon series and just put that on your fridge or put it in your car or your Bible to remind you to check your address this week. Uh, I was uh, trying to buy something online this week, and this sermon had been coming through my mind, and it just kind of synced it in. And so uh, online, as I go online and I take my, uh, take my credit card out and get ready, you can sit with mommy, thank you. Thank you, babe. Uh, I get my credit card out. I'm trying to buy something online. And on my credit card, my P.O. box is assigned to my credit card. And I've got a physical address, but I've got a P.O. box too. So I go online and I try to buy something online. And as I put the things in, it says, uh, put your address in. So I put P.O. box, blah, 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 Gina, Louisiana. And then it says, sorry, check your address. We do not accept P.O. boxes. I said, okay, well, I'll put my physical address in. So I go on there, and I put in my physical address, da-da-da-da, Gina, Louisiana. And then it says, sorry, check your address. This is not associated with your credit card. So I go back in, I change it to the P.O. box, because that's what I get my mail for my credit card for. Sorry, check your address. This is not, we don't accept P.O. boxes. And this goes on for like 15 minutes, and finally, I just didn't buy it, because there was this error. It wouldn't take my P.O. box, and then it wouldn't take my physical address. So apparently, I'm a man without a home. So do you ever feel that way, though, uh, in the Christian life? It's frustrating when things don't work out like they're supposed to. I think as Christians, sometimes there are problems with our physical and mailing addresses. As Christians, we have two addresses. We have a physical address here on this earth, and we have a future home address where hopefully we are sending our mail to. You know, Jesus said that we aren't to store up treasures on this earth but store up treasures in heaven. Somebody say amen. And I want to talk to you about setting up your forwarding address and how sometimes there can be a conflict with our earthly and heavenly addresses. Jesus says we're not to be devoted to earthly pursuits more than heavenly pursuits. He said the kingdom of heaven is worth joyfully sacrificing everything 
every earthly thing we have to gain it. But you and I know we all struggle to serve, we struggle to give, we struggle to attend church, we struggle uh, to be a part of what God's will is for our life, and we can easily give in to the wants and the pleasures of ambition and, and comforts of this world. We can fail to be compassionate or passionate about the mission of God. And Romans even says to set your mind on earthly things leads to spiritual death, but to set your life on heavenly things Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life and peace. So are there any address problems in your life right now? Do you have a heavenly P.O. box? And is your mail getting there? There should be a conflict between our two addresses. And this keeps reminding us that we are all moving. If there's not conflicts on a regular basis between your physical address and your heavenly P.O. box, we may need to check our address. Okay? Are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about Abraham this morning. I want to talk about setting up that new address. Let me give you the recap here. Genesis chapter 11 verse 25 talks about this man named Abram who will later get changed to Abraham. And Abram was a man who lived in the Chaldees, in the land of the Chaldean, and called Ur, a town called Ur. And his father and them moved a little inward towards, uh, towards Mesopotamia, towards where we would say is modern-day uh, you know, Iran, Iraq, that kind of a place, in the Middle East. And God has put on his heart to move closer. And, and God comes to Abram and he says, Abram, I'm going to make you the father of of many nations, and all of the world is going to be blessed by you. And I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And Abraham believes this. He, in just hearing this, uh, just simple word from God. And Abraham was not a God follower. In that day, they would have followed many, many gods. But Abraham knew this was the most high God had spoken to him. And as he took a leap of faith, he packs his family up and they head to the land of Israel, which wasn't Israel yet, but it was the Canaan land, the land of the Canaanites. And they began to go there. And he did not, never been there before, never seen it, didn't ever drive there, doesn't, doesn't have the GPS to get there. But he follows God by faith. And along the way, God will stretch him. And for years even, he will not even hear God's voice. He'll even wait 10 years, even into the land that God promised him before he ever gets a confirmation that he was supposed to do what he's going to do. But Abraham would patiently wait along the way through many faith tests, and he would become the father of faith. He would become the father of a man named Isaac, who would be the father of a man named Jacob, and Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. And from Jacob, we get the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel. And so Abraham becomes the father of the Hebrews and ultimately the father through Jesus Christ. He's the father of faith for every person uh, who is born again. And now look, the author of Hebrews talks about him. So look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. If you're there, somebody say amen. All right. New American Standard this morning. Now, he says, by faith, everybody say faith. Faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien or a foreigner or a stranger in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking, everybody say looking, 
looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So he says, by faith. So what's faith? Look in verse 1. What does it say? He defines it in the same chapter. He says, by faith. Now, faith is what? The assurance or the substance of things hoped for. It is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So it's by faith, Abraham went out. What is faith? It is the substance. It is the substance there means the, the thing. It is the ability to stand upon God's word. Faith is so strong. It is based for Abraham and for us today is based in the word of God. And literally it means to something that's strong enough to put your whole weight on. And I've done it before. I'm not going to do it again, but stand up on a chair. It means that I can rest my whole life. It is strong enough. I have put my faith in something and to faith. I'm to put faith in it is to put trust into it, to lean all your weight onto something. And Abraham, by faith, leaned all of his weight on the substance of the word of God. He heard God's word. It came into his life and he said, I'll put substance onto this. I'll put weight onto this. I'll put trust into this. And so he leaned all of his life onto the word of God. And it says it is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. He was convicted that what God said he would do, he would do. He put all of his weight onto the word of God that he heard in his ears and his heart. And he said, well, I have not seen God do this before. Remember, he didn't even know God. I've never seen God do this before, but I believe his word is true and that he'll do what he said he's going to do. So I've leaned all my weight onto it and I'm convinced I'm convicted. Even if I haven't seen it, I believe I will. Somebody say amen. That's faith. That's for you and I today. So what is faith? And then it says by faith. When he was called, he obeyed. Now, the Bible says in James, faith without works is dead. It's faith leads to obedience. And so he's not just believing in faith. He's walking. You ever heard that phrase? Walking by faith. His faith didn't just have him to hear the word of God, but to change and order his steps according to the word of God. And so that's for you and for me today. Just like a believer, we believe in the words of God through Jesus Christ. We have heard the word. And he says, now, by faith, he obeyed. By faith, he changed his course. By faith, he set a chart towards something God said he would do. He didn't have understanding. He had never been there before. Again, he didn't have the GPS. He didn't have a map. He hadn't asked anybody what it was like over there. He'd never heard God do anything in his life before. He just believed. And it was the convictions of things not seen. By faith, he charted his life according to the promise of God. And if you are a Christian today, that's exactly what you and I are doing, believing on Jesus Christ. Jesus has made a promise there is a something ahead of us. There's something beyond the horizon. And you and I are to lean all of our weight onto his word and by faith walk by obedience, walk towards that destination because we believe if God said it, it must be true. Somebody say amen. So we walk by faith. We walk differently. We've changed. He stood upon the word. And if you're a Christian, you'll not just stake your whole life on the word of God, but you'll be changed by it. You'll walk differently because of it. And he says, go on down. It says that he was he didn't know where he was going. You don't always have full understanding as a Christian. But it says he lived as an alien or a, a foreigner. How many people's Bibles say sojourner? Uh, sojourner. That means someone who's traveling through a nomad. He said, God, you promised... Get this. 
God, you promised to take me to this land called Canaan, the land of the Canaanites. And he says, but he got there. And he gets there, and when you think you could have built a house and had a car and built a garage and had that indoor pool in the background, and God, I want to settle in the land you've called me to, it says that Abraham never owned any property except for the one burial site for his wife. In fact, in the land of promise, he only lived in tents, never built a house. Think about it. But God, you promised. God, you said this is where I was going to be. God, you said you'd take my family here. You'd make us a big nation. My descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Shouldn't we have like a castle or something? Shouldn't we have a a flagpole with some knights and shining armor? Shouldn't we have something? If we're going to be a nation, God, we need a president and a congress. Shouldn't we have a king? or God, shouldn't we? And he says he never saw any of it. He never saw. He only lived in a tent or an RV in somebody's backyard. Right. He never lived uh, like he thought he could have lived or he should have lived. I never seen the promise says, but he was a traveler, a foreigner, an alien, a pilgrim. He never settled. Why? Because he was looking for, you know, you could get frustrated at unfulfilled promises with God. You could say, God, you promised me full healing. God, you promised me full joy. God, you promised me victory over sin. God, you promised me deliverance. God, you promised me happiness and and peace in my heart. And he says, yes, I have. Think about Abraham. God, you said you'd do this. But But Abraham never stayed still because Abraham was looking for something more. You see, the earthly thing for Abraham was temporary. He was looking forward to not just fulfillment in this life, but fulfillment in a future life that his home was really heaven. Instead of getting frustrated and unfulfilled promises, he was confidently looking for an eternal home built by God. His heavenly promise was the sure one. It was the eternal one. And his hope was in his righteousness that came through faith. Now, this is a little bit of a doctrine thing. But, but think about what it says. It says that he was looking for a city whose foundations were built by God. What does it say about who is the rock in Scripture? Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone, the bedrock. He'll build his church on the bedrock himself. He's the cornerstone that other people rejected. That's what he's built his church on himself. And I think Abraham, in his own mind... He says, God, I'm going to follow you by faith. And even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to go to this land of promise. And and God, I don't understand why you haven't worked out my life quicker. God, I don't understand maybe why I don't have the joy and the peace and the the patience and the, the love. All the things you promised me and the blessings, God, you said prosperity. And God, you said all these things. But he says, I'm looking forward. I think in his mind's eye, he saw Jesus. I think in his mind's eye, God gave him a foretaste of heaven. And he knew, I can build my life on that rock. And I know there is coming a day when I will experience true freedom, true joy, true peace, true love, true inhabitation of God's presence. Because I'm building my life not just on these earthly temporary things. I'm building it on heaven eternal, which is built upon Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. That's you and me. You know, in this life... You are promised many things with God. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised he's given you victory over sin. He's promised to give you peace in your heart, joy in your heart. He's promised you new mercies every morning. But sometimes in this life, we don't get the full experience of God. You have him. 
The promise is as sure for Abraham. It was as sure even though he was living in a tent. He never saw himself become a nation. But the promise was still just as sure even though he didn't see it. Because he's not walking by what he sees. He's walking by what? Faith. Just because I don't always feel good. Just because I struggle with sin sometimes. Just because I don't feel like everything is worked out in my life. Doesn't mean God's not faithful. Just because we endure loss or loneliness or doubt, just because we come under attack or persecution, doesn't mean God is still not just as true as he's always been. Because our promise is not completely fulfilled in the natural. It's filled upon Jesus Christ. Look in verse 13. He was storing up treasures elsewhere. Abraham did not get settled on this temporary address He was looking for a permanent address above. And he says, there's all these other people. Verse 13, it says, Now all these died in faith without receiving the promise. But having seen them, how'd that happen? Having seen them, they welcomed them from a distance and confessed they were only strangers and exiles on this earth. But wait a minute, God, you said you do all these things. He says, but those who say such things make it clear. They're seeking a country not of their own. And if indeed they had been thinking of a country from which they came from, they could have had an opportunity to return to it. But as it is, they were desiring a better country. That's a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. How do you die in faith? They died even though they could have been frustrated and anxious and overwhelmed by the various things of this world. They could, have been get, they could have had more of life get a hold of them than them get a hold of life. Listen to me this morning. It is easy to be overcome by the things of this world. It is easy to lose heart and well-doing and well-meaning and well-trying. It's easy to allow the things and the circumstances of this world to uh, dim your eyes to the promises of God. But it says these people, these heroes of faith, They all died in faith, never seeing much of what God promised them come to pass. But it says they looked and they saw something. Yeah, they could have had an opportunity to go back to their old life and their old ways and get frustrated that maybe this Christian life doesn't work and maybe God's not all he cracked up to be and maybe I should have had more victory than this and God, it should have worked out better and and -and so-and-so should have done that to me in my life and God, you said I'd feel better and God, this this problem was just too hard for me to handle, Lord, and so I'm just gonna give up. I don't, prayer's not working. My Bible reading's not working and that church attendance stuff, that's a bunch of baloney. All of that, it didn't help me, God. I said, but all these died in faith. They died holding on to a promise they never seemingly attained. But look what it says. Here's the key. It says, but having seen them, they welcomed them from a distance. What was it? They got their eyes off of this world. They looked up and they got their eyes on Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That they seen it, they welcomed it, and they really experienced it. It means that they saw Jesus Christ at a distance And though never attaining full freedom in the natural, they experienced a foretaste of heaven. How many people have experienced a foretaste of heaven in your life? Maybe God's delivered you of something or maybe a promise has been fulfilled. It says they saw without seeing. They had faith beyond this life. It affected how they lived. They had a foretaste of heaven and therefore God approved of them. You know, God approves of people who see without seeing everything in the natural. You can believe on his word despite how bad life is, 
how much people disappoint you, how many things may not work out in your life. And what they're doing, they're not so concerned with this physical address so much as their heavenly P.O. box. It's not about this physical address. It's about your heavenly P.O. box. Let's talk about that. No permanent address. For every hero of faith, it was the joy they saw in Christ that kept them going backwards. They were people without a permanent address. And it says that Jesus, and for you and for me, Jesus has promised us a few things. Let me just tell you. He says that anybody who gives up things in your permanent address, you give up this permanent address and focusing on your permanent address. He says, I'll give you a hundred times as much in the heavenly address to come. I'll give you a hundred times as much, whether it be houses or barns or families or prosperity. Those who give up those things for the sake of faith and doing the gospel mission, I'll give you a hundred times. He says, I'm going to, you're going to have trouble in this world. But he says to his disciples, he says, but if you would just believe in me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back again and receive you to myself. And it, it wasn't true. I would have told you so. Do you believe me? That there is something beyond what you can see. There's something beyond what you can taste and smell. There's something beyond what you feel in this life. There's something better. How many people have a heavenly P.O. box? Amen. Yes. You know, uh, we were, uh, we've lived in multiple places uh, in, in our marriage, Beth and I have been married 12 years, and we've been living in multiple places. And when we first got married, we had an apartment, and then we got a job as pastors, and we moved into a parsonage, and then we moved to another parsonage. And, and then when uh, God called us to come to Gina, Louisiana, we didn't really know how the moving situation was going to work. We, were, we didn't have a rent house quite yet. It was kind of taking some time to find a place here. And, and then when we got here, we wasn't quite sure how long we'd be at that house or when we'd move or build or whatever. And so we said, well, let's just get a P.O. box because that way we can just send all of our stuff to one place. And then if we move, you don't got to go through the hassle of changing everything. And so we set up a forwarding address to Gina, Louisiana, while we were still in Missouri, and we sent it to our P.O. box. As a Christian, this address is only temporary. And what you and I are to do is that you may not be in one season. of you, you, We go through different seasons of life. We go through different places in this world. And with this place is only temporary. The Bible says you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold here on this earth. So don't worry about building up things here. Set up a forwarding address to a place you can know you can get the mail. Because you don't know what's coming in the future. So if I set up a P.O. box there... I know I got the key. I can go open it when I get there and say, look, I've lived at different places in my life, been to different circumstances and things. I've not been focused on building life here so much as sending all my mail there. Amen. Matthew six nineteen, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy, but where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where there can't be moth or rust will destroy nor thieves could break in or steal. Don't you know God's got a good vault? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have a question for you today. Does God know where to send your mail? Does he know where to send your mail? Have you set up a heavenly P.O. box? And what does it mean that where your treasure is, your heart will be also? What is the treasures that I can mail to heaven? What are the things I can store up? Simply put is this. Anytime you live and love like Jesus... 
Anytime you live and love like Jesus, you can store up treasures in heaven. You can send mail to your heavenly P.O. box. For instance, every time I turn the other cheek for my enemy, every time I love the unlovable, every time I give to the poor and needy or to world missions and involve myself in gospel service, anytime I serve in my local church, I'm storing up treasures of myself. And have, not when I build up my life, my pride, my, my cars. My, it's good to have cars and houses and things like that and buy a new cell phone. None of that's wrong. But it doesn't store up any treasure in heaven. Now, if God says, give that car away to someone, there you go. It's in the name and in the love of Christ. It's in the life that he's lived. Every time I hold my tongue in an argument, I store up treasures. Every time I I bless without cursing, I store up treasures in heaven. I'm sending mail onward to a heavenly P.O. box because why would I do that otherwise? If I believe that this life is all there is, buddy, I should just tell it like it is. Right? I should just let it all out. I should do whatever I want to do and and let it please me and don't worry about the consequences and just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. If you really believe there's no future beyond this life, you should live however you want because there are no consequences. But if I believe that there is a God who is up in heaven who is the ultimate righteous judge, who'll judge the living and the dead, and there are rewards for those who confess him by faith and live righteously, then I want to be storing up and sending mail on ahead. Somebody say amen. Set up your forwarding address. But there are also times you need to return things to the sender. There should be natural conflicts in your life, uh, since we've taken in our house, sometimes I get mail from other people. Uh, you know, maybe there's mail that gets lost or somebody's bill. So what do you do? You write on there, return to sender. You put it back in the, P- in the mailbox and let the postal service take care of it. I think in our life, too, there should be conflicts between these two addresses we have. For instance, maybe there's a thought that comes in your life, a thing that shouldn't belong in my heart. You know what I need to do? Return that to sender. Maybe there's an attitude check or there's a feeling of, of insecurity or doubt in the promises of God. And I say, no, 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 return to sinner. Put that back in the mailbox. That's not going to go on. I'm going to send that back to hell where it came from, right? I, there are things in our life that there should be natural conflicts between our current and our forwarding address. After all, you and I, we're moving. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're moving. You know, the world, it doesn't understand living by faith. It's illogical. It's illogical. Because we live differently. Some of you guys are professional movers. We all believe Jesus is God's son. We believe he died for our sins. We believe he rose from the dead victorious. And because I believe he's coming to judge the world like Abraham, I'm going to walk differently because I believe that statement to be true. So therefore, I I want to be nicer to my neighbors. I want to love God with all my heart. I want to serve God's kingdom. I do that because I believe the word of God to be true and that he's coming back to receive me or to judge me. And if I believe that's true, I'll walk differently. But Paul says, man, on this earth, you're going to encounter people. It says their God's going to be their appetite. They're going to set their minds on earthly things. But you need to watch out because he says your citizenship, your allegiance, your location, your home is in heaven. And your heavenly focused life on this earth is not always going to make sense. It says Abraham went not knowing where he was going. He didn't have understanding. And this life, this Christian life, is not always going to make sense. You don't always see ahead. You know what happens? 
It says that they saw a promise in the future and they welcomed it and had a foretaste of heaven. But if you and I today are struggling in this life and you're getting mail from multiple addresses and you're setting up residence here and you get lost, you lose sight. Listen to me. You lose sight of a heavenly address. You lose sight of where you're going. Here's some things that can happen to you. You can lose hope. You can get desperate. You can get anxious. You can get angry. You can get irritable. You can begin to doubt God's promises. You can even doubt that God cares for you or is concerned about you. Despite all the facts of God's word, we can feel this way. Because when our address is focused here, we build and care for here. We build our lives on our own efforts, our own reputation. We build our lives on the comforts of pleasure or the comforts of other people. We are secured by our material possessions We only build our lives in view of what we can accomplish or enjoy before death. That's what we do when we forget about our heavenly address. We build our life for here. We build our life for fame, for reputation, all of our work, all of our... Think about it. Look at your life this morning. Look at your life this morning. All of that effort you put into that job, and it's good to have a good job and be a good hard worker. The Bible says much about that. But at the end of the day, how much of that job really is setting up forwarding address, setting up mail in heaven. When you do things on this earth, and I think about all the hours I spend mowing my yard, right? And what redeems that three hours a week, we talked about this to some of our men, what redeems that three hours a week is I pray the whole time I'm mowing my yard because otherwise it's pointless. I should just buy some goats and sit them out there, right? Because at the end of the life, it doesn't build up anything. There's so many things we do, so much time we spend on this earth that only build up temporary earthly things but there's heavenly forward there's something to look forward to there's things we should be building towards and building for and if i get my life my eyes off of that future life that eternal life i start getting doubtful and uh, discouraged and hopeless and doubting even the care of god so here's the test i want to give you today and you have that card uh, in your hand and it says on that card it says check your address it's a little reminder and it has hebrews 11 on it Here's the test, because when you get in a moment where you are frustrated, when you are doubting, when you are are going through a moment, I want you to ask yourself, why and what am I most, most frustrated over? And is this thing I'm frustrated over, is it an earthly thing or a heavenly thing? Is this moment, does it really matter in eternity? You know, I'm going to tell you something, there's a lot of things we get frustrated over that don't really matter. There's a lot of things we worry and fret over that at the end of the day, when you're in that coffin, it ain't going to really matter. There's a lot of things we spend our time and efforts on at the end of the day don't really matter. And so I want you to be aware and check your address. Where are you sending your mail? And ask yourself this. In this moment, as I hold that card, am I satisfied in Christ alone? Am I satisfied in the life that he's given me? Am I satisfied of doing the ministry he's called me? What's my ambition? What's my goal in this moment right now? What's the pursuit of my life? And like Abraham, am I building for an eternal future? Every single one of us in this life should be packing for moving day. How many people have ever moved like across state lines before? Raise your hand. A lot of you, okay? We're all transients, okay? Packing for moving. 
sometimes you ever feel when you get to a place you uh, feel like you don't belong there? How many people you moved to Gina, Louisiana, and you feel like, where in the world? I'm going to raise both hands. Where in the world did God send me, right? No, crazy people everywhere. No, I, we, lived in, uh, we lived in Columbia, Missouri. You know, I'm from... Beth and I grew up in a town called Farmington, Missouri. It's about an hour south of St. Louis. It had about 15,000 people. Good little suburban kind of middle-class town. Uh, good schools, AAA rating. You know, we had great football, wrestling, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a quiet town, not much crime. And uh, then we moved to Columbia, Missouri, which is 100,000 people. It's a, kind of a liberal capital of Missouri. Big college there, about thirty to 40,000 students. And we moved and took this church. After we graduated, we took this church. As a young adult, became the associate pastor there. And I'm telling you, it was in a not good area of town. We lived next to the church, just a few, hundred, a few yards, a few uh, 50, 50 foot, really. It's 53 foot from the church to my house, basically. And I never could be late for work. There was no excuse. But we lived there. And behind the church, there was multiple bars. There was a strip club that you would see out my back door every day. Uh, every night, I would see drug deals going down, two houses down, even the street behind us. Uh, we had a shooting in our church parking lot at one moment, one day. Uh, it wasn't a rare thing for me to come home on my lunch break and find high We lived across from a, a major high school, find kids smoking marijuana on my back porch. We had graffiti on our church building sometimes. And, and I'd often have homeless people knocking on my door for food or for money that they could spend on various items. We'd have homeless people walk in our church all the time, and we'd had to have locked doors and a security team. And we had one guy one time walk up on the stage in the middle of the altar call and ask the pastor who was playing the piano and sat on the bench next to the pastor and during the altar call asked for money. Uh, this is where we lived, and, and as a uh, rural central Missouri person, all right, Growing up in a small town, a conservative family, this was like way out there for me to move here. But let me tell you something. As we're four, now, granted, I kept my doors locked at all the time. We had a security alarm. But, but you know, I bought a dog, an attack dog. Not really. Uh, I did, actually. But, but I got there. And you know what? We began to outreach and live there for a few years, live there five years. And we began to go door to door in this neighborhood. And, and my wife began to jog, even though she wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, no, go do that. And she went to go jog the neighborhood. And I would go to every porch in the 12 block radius of our church and get to know the people. And we'd go out every month with an E-team. And the more you live there, the more normal it became. And people, I'd tell people where I lived and what we did and how things happened. They're like, oh my gosh, where do you live? And my parents would be worried. And, you know, but it became normal life. The longer you live somewhere, even if you didn't feel like home or it's not home, the longer you live somewhere, it becomes normal. Even if it is bad. Do you understand where I'm going with this? This world is not home, church. It's not supposed to feel like home. It don't look like home. And after you're here a while, shootings become normal. Abortion becomes normal. Anger, divorce, talking about your coworkers becomes normal. Feeling insecurity and doubt, dealing with sin. It all becomes pretty normal. But it's not normal. It's not how it's supposed to be. And I need to keep that in mind as I live in this temporary address and set my mind and my heart on heaven and keep pressing on, looking towards the goal, walking by faith, setting up my P.O. box and saying, God, this is not home. 
I'm looking forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. Somebody say amen. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. So set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed in him in glory. As the worship team comes, let me tell you one more thing. If you and I today were about to move to a foreign country, if I would say, church, we're about to move to Portugal, y'all would all freak out, number one, right? But you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably buy a Portuguese-English dictionary. I'd learn the lingo. I'd probably learn what they ate, what the cities was like, what the housing market was like, what the people were like. I'd learn everything I could about Portugal, because I really don't know anything about Portugal. Can't speak a word of Portuguese. Maybe some of you can in here. But I can't. And if I knew for certain, on a certain date, I was moving there, I'd be an expert on Portugal. The same is true for heaven. Heaven speaks a different language. Heaven has a different way of living. They have a different way of thinking. They have a different way of doing. And when Paul says, set your mind on heavenly things, you know, when you go to different places and people, we leave here from the southern part of the United States, they go, we go somewhere else and they say, man, you are from the south. How do they know that? You look different and you talk different. And if I have a residence in heaven and my moving day is set in Jesus, I want to learn the lingo. I want to learn the accent. I want to eat the same foods. I want to look like I'm from the place I'm going. And so for you and I to set our hearts on heaven, it's a mental thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing in our hearts. Church, listen to me. We are so earthly minded and we don't know it. We so easily struggle with minor faith issues. It's because we've lost our focus that this is all temporary and that's eternal. And that's all that matters and it's all in Christ. So like Abraham, would you please pray with me this morning that we can set our mind on a promise of the word of God. And I will walk in that direction even without understanding, not knowing how or when I'm going to get there, but knowing that I'm going to get there if Jesus is my focus. And along the way, Lord, take my heart and transform it. Take my mouth, conform it to Him. Lord, let me talk like heaven. Lord, let me feel like heaven. Lord, let me walk like heaven. Let my mind be on heaven. Not that I don't do any good here while I'm here, but God, that I can take people with me on this journey. My family, most of all, Lord, get our feet walking, not settled here. Are you with me this morning? You understand my heart. There are so many good promises. And then maybe you're struggling today and saying, God, I don't feel those promises. And sometimes we don't. Let's just be honest with you because it's, 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 we have him now. But he says, when Christ is to be revealed, you'll experience the fullness of his glory. You see, church, there's a, there should be a longing. We're not there yet. We're still struggling. We're still walking through pilgrims, strangers. We're not supposed to always feel good here. It's not supposed to always make sense. Just keep walking by faith. Set your eyes and your heart on Jesus. Set up that P.O. box. When you get there, you can open it and take it all in. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?
Father God, I pray for every person in this room. God, I know many people here in our church are struggling in crisis. We've got doubts and fears. Lord, we've struggled with suicidal thoughts. We've struggled with depression. We've struggled with anxiety. We've been worried about financial planning. We've been worried, oh God, about our our kids' future. We've been worried, oh Lord, about the economy of this earth. But Lord, you said you know the sparrow that falls. You know the number of our hairs on our head. But if we would just keep seeking, keep seeking your kingdom where your righteousness dwells. God, everything we need along the journey, you're going to take care of. Because, Lord, it's walking by faith, setting up treasures in a home above. Father, I pray for every young person today, God, who is in this room, who has only ever seen this world, God, who hasn't ever got a glimpse of an eternity with Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm praying today for revelation for many people in this room. God, maybe they've lost hope. Maybe they've been overcome by fear. And Lord, that we would just get our eyes on the upward call of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you'd be the lifter of our heads. God, Lord, if there's something we're struggling and holding on to that just really doesn't matter, may we check our address today. Check our address today, Lord God.